You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you Zen Tri freaks and geeks, and welcome to another episode of Zen. And the art of triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance. So I'm out in the backyard by the pool because it's actually really pretty outside. It's kind of hot, but Emily's out on a run and Kai is out on a bike ride. And this episode is going to be a lot of fun because we have an interview about electrolytes, sodium, all that good stuff, and also a really good uh, running tip, maybe you could use it on the bike too, about hydration, and a couple of things that I've actually learned about fueling and, well, mostly hydration, and things that I uh, didn't know or applied differently, and it's really cool. So I'm going to share those with you, and then also a couple of uh, Zen thoughts that I'll put right up front so that you can go ahead and start applying them as you need, but first, let's see, let's talk about this uh, interview. We have Jonathan Toker, and he's the founder of Salt Stick. And Salt Stick is uh, a sponsor of Zen Try, and it's getting to be summer, and we're out there in the heat, and hydration is really, really important uh, the hotter it gets. And hydration doesn't work unless it has electrolytes in it. And it would, it, we thought it would be great to get them on the show to let you know about what's out there, how to use your electrolytes and have a much better uh, racing and training, really, uh, success story in your life. And I learned uh, two things during the interview that I'll go ahead and share with you now um, so you can listen for them in in uh, in the conversation. And one is that the electrolytes... Uh, well, sometimes electrolytes can um, upset your stomach. And I've noticed that if you pound a whole lot of salt um, along with your water, like too much, then your stomach can actually um, start getting upset. It revolts against it. It hurts. It makes you feel sick. You get too much salt. And uh, Mr. Toker uh, explained that that's why one of the products that they have actually dissolves in your mouth. So just like... With fueling that sugar, uh, that there's different types of carbohydrates and there's different channels in your body to absorb them. So you have fructose, sucrose, well, sucrose is, uh, well, well, let's not get into all that, but dextrose and galactose. I mean, it just goes on, all the oses go on and on and on. Maltodextrin. And there's, um, there's different channels, uptake systems in your body. So you can actually increase the amount of carbohydrates you take in by by having a variety of them. Uh, that way you don't overflow just one uptake system. And with electrolytes, uh, specifically sodium, you can um, chew on it and, it and if it's in your mouth, actually your mouth can absorb it before it ever uh, hits, can start absorbing it before it ever hits your stomach. And that's one way to get it in so that your stomach doesn't ever hurt from electrolytes. I thought that was really cool. And then another one is that when you have sloshy stomach, 
that's actually a sign that your water doesn't have enough electrolytes in it. Your body is rejecting the water because it doesn't want, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't want to dilute itself any for its blood any further. I hope you all can hear that bird. It's really nice. That might be a mockingbird. If it starts doing a variety of calls. Yeah, I think that's a mockingbird. Yeah, it imitates. It's kind of like a parrot. It imitates um, anywhere between like nine and 12 or something like that. Other bird calls. It's a really beautiful uh, bird to have around great bird it's the uh state bird of texas actually and these um these what they call uh, water babies <laughs> it's like what it feels like that you're pregnant with something sloshing around in your stomach uh it, it happens to me getting off the um the bike and then running and uh, having all this water just sloshing around and i'm not I can feel I'm getting dehydrated and I've taken in water and water sitting in my stomach, but it just won't pass my stomach. And I've always wondered about that. Like, what do you do? And it's really frustrating. And lo and behold, you take more electrolytes with it and uh, it should absorb because now your body's going, okay, I can take in this water. It's not too low in electrolytes. and It's not going to dilute the electrolytes that I'm already missing any further that's pretty cool huh all right so that and a whole lot more will be in the interview and before we even get into that i want to talk about something i discovered uh running um for years i've talked about a tip where you can uh improve your running during races by running with a bike water bottle. It doesn't need to be a big one, just a, one of the medium sized ones in your hand. And then when um, it gets, when you go through aid stations, this is on in hot races, you don't just put water in that water bottle, you put ice in that water bottle, ice water. And it doesn't take much. You don't have to fill the thing all the way to the top every time. But then as you run, you dribble that ice water over your head. And it really works if you're wearing a visor and that cold, and then you sip on it as well. And this strategy has led me to a 440 Ironman at Galveston, which is really, it's really hot on the run. And then also I got top 10 at Austin, half Ironman, with um, the same strategy and a 440 at Galveston did not get me anywhere near top 10, and a, but I did get top 10 at Austin with like a 505 or 515, so a lot slower, and that just shows you how hot and how hard the Austin course was, and comparatively to other people, you always got to think relatively because courses are different, other people started to fade and melt, and I kept uh, cruising along, and because I was pouring ice water and sipping on ice water, um, the entire run. And this is a, an incredible strategy that I've been teaching people for years. And you just got to learn to run with a water bottle in one hand that's filled with ice. And you just stop at the aid stations and put more ice in it. And it actually keeps your hands cold too, which is a good way to shed heat as well. 
And what's going on when you do this is um, keeping your body cool is probably the biggest factor in a longer uh, half Ironman up, up to Ironman, uh, especially in the heat, definitely in the heat. And as soon as you start to overheat, your pace slows down, you get sick to your stomach, you can't, you can't take on fuel, like all this bad stuff starts happening. So if you can uh, cool down, it's huge. And taking on ice cold water internally works even better than putting it on the outside of your body. Because if you pour it on the outside of the body, sometimes your skin will react and shut down <laughs> the heat shedding that it's doing if it's too cold. Uh, so doing it from the inside with uh, drinking ice water is, um, is very much the optimal way to do it. Putting ice water on the outside does work, but to a point. And it's really, really hot in Texas right now. It's, uh, I went running at lunch the other day, and this is what got me going on this. I went running at lunch the other day, and we have a heat index of like 110, 120 degrees because it's so humid and hot. And it's, it's unbelievable, actually, <laughs> of how oppressive that heat is. It's the, same, it's the same heat, if you include the heat index, the humidity, as uh, Death Valley sometimes. And I went out for this run in the middle of the day because I, all I had was a lunch run. That's all I could have could do. And the thing I did before I, before I walked out is I grabbed a Camelback bottle that's insulated, one of these insulated bottles. And it wasn't a big one. It's 20 ounces, which is sort of big, but not really. There's bigger. And I filled it to the top with ice first. And then I poured cold water in to fill it the rest of the way. And I had a revelation running that it's one of those things where I'm like, man, this changes everything. Because right now in the heat, I have to really be careful about when I run. And one run for an hour can ruin you for two, three days if you don't, if you don't do it right, if you don't hydrate and, and stay cool. And... I noticed while I was running that one, the water bottle stayed ice cold up until about 57 minutes in. <laughs> and that was impressive. One, that's really, really impressive. And two, I never felt hot because I was taking this ice water. I was sipping on it every five minutes and I made sure I finished it, you know, by the hour. And the other thing is I noticed that when I had about three minutes left, I ran out of ice water. It was the few drops that were left were um, no longer cold. Uh, the ice was gone. So it was just regular temperature water and not much of it. And within like a minute or two, I instantly went into like, oh crap, this is hot. Like it was pure suffering. It was so hot in, in the sun and all that. So my point is, is that it was making a huge difference. And so I've done three runs total lately, running with a water bottle in my hand full of ice. And another trick is I've learned that when you're done, fill the water bottle up halfway with ice again, or uh, halfway up with water, doesn't really matter, and then throw it in your freezer. And then by your next run, it's half full of ice. You fill the rest up 
with um with water and then now you have a water half full of ice, a water bottle half full of ice whenever you go out on your next run and it's just so smart <laughs> i've got a little angry at myself i haven't figured this out earlier because i've been talking about running with ice uh for years during races and now i'm just getting smart enough to go oh yeah i should totally do that in training so i don't post shows unless i actually have something to talk about i've uh, gotten over that uh, years ago where i don't do shows on a schedule i don't don't do shows you know every week uh, because i don't want to talk about nothing i'm a triathlete you know i don't have all the time in the world to, to talk about nothing but uh, when i do have something really important to share i like to have like two or three and then once i have like some really important stuff to share that'll really um, change how you do things and improve your life then i'm like man i got to get this on a show and this is one of them um, there's many of you out there that are like, I can't run with a water bottle in my hand. You know, that sucks. There's two things about that. One, you can, and we're getting to that in a minute. Uh, this, there's actually three things. The second is if you fall down, if you trip while you're trail running, people say having a water bottle in your hand is awesome because uh, it cushions the blow and protects your hands. And I've, I've known that for years. That's actually kind of cool. That's just a little side benefit. Doesn't really matter. Um, Another thing is if you do it in training, then doing it on race day is super, super easy. It becomes nothing to do. And then when one arm gets tired, you just switch it to the other arm. And then you notice that it's actually pretty easy. The Camelback insulated bottles have a pinch point towards the top, which makes it actually really easy to run with in your hand, like really easy. And then you can buy these aftermarket little uh, hand grips that you can add to a water bottle. I do gotta say in this heat, an insulated water bottle is um is uh required <laughs> maybe not where you live maybe you can get away with a uh, regular water bottle but um where i where i'm at an insulated water bottle is uh, required and I, with these past three runs you know i've just noticed i finished the run i'm i'm happy i'm nowhere near as decimated as i was before and it's actually really cool and there was something else about it i can't remember what it was but i'll probably remember in a second but well, I'm, uh, oh, I know what it is. The, uh, the other thing is you are way more likely to drink your water that you need on a warm day if it's in your hand. If it's somewhere else or out of the way, you'll forget about it, you won't think about it. When it's in your hand, it's incredible. You can put two people and have one carry their water bottle in their hand and then another one have their water bottle, um, their water like somewhere hidden, you know, or not on them, like at a stop, they're gonna pick it up or something like that and then glug. The person that is carrying the water in their hand, they think about it more often because it's in their hand and then they drink more often, which in warm weather is critical. Okay, now we're going to talk a little bit about Zen stuff and that'll be the last thing before our interview. Um, I was listening to a podcast and the guy said something really powerful i'm not sure which minute it was in it was about halfway through but it was the yokoji zen dharma talks and this is a british guy he's older but i love this guy because he's very forceful when he talks so he's very serious but he came from a background when he was a youth um of being a fighter like a street fighter like a real one and getting in a lot of fights and zen calmed him down and turned his life around he's kind of a hooligan i think and <laughs> And he tells stories about that every once in a while, which is a good, 
a good story about what Zen can do for you. But he said something. One of the reasons that I listen to this Zen stuff, other Zen podcasts, uh, while I'm working out is because of this exactly. He said, the word can't shouldn't exist until you've tried. And as soon as I heard that, I rewound it, listened to it again. And I'm like, man, that could be a motto for Ironman or ultra running or, or anything. I don't, and it's something, you know, having a 13 year old around, that's something that I immediately put in my toolbox to uh, say, and also at work, I can just imagine saying it all the time when somebody says, I can't do that. We have this other thing where somebody says uh, in our house or at my job, um, I'm a supervisor over some people, if fault, I say fault is the F word. I don't want to hear it. Fault makes you look ugly whenever you say it. When you say, well, that was his fault, right? It makes you look petty and you look um, like you're trying to skirt around uh, your own responsibilities and stuff. I don't care whose fault it is, just fix it, right? (laughs) Fault is not job one. (laughs) Ford quality is job one. But anyway, uh, when I heard this other one, uh, can't shouldn't exist until you've tried it's like, oh my gosh, I can use that all the time. I'm not surrounded by a lot of can't people, but it does come up, you know. Uh, I can't, I can't go ride my bike. It has, um, I don't like the way it shifts or something. Oh, here comes the dogs. Here comes Kai. He just came in from his bike ride. How far did you go? You don't know? Why not? Why didn't you track it? Why don't you have a watch band? Because it broke. Why did it break? Because I had it too much. I just why, didn't, why haven't you fixed it? Because I need to order one. When are you going to order one? Now. If okay. That would be okay. Yeah, go for it. I'm recording a podcast. What would I order it off of? Amazon. Go pick one out. Hey, I'm talking, so... Unless you want to be on the show. No. They can't see you wave, dude. How was your ride? How many, you have no idea how many miles you rode. <laughs> Did the ice water on the bike ride help? Yeah. Cool. Do you feel better? Mm-hmm. How's your ankle? It hurts. It hurts? Yeah. Still don't think you can run on it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to go swim this afternoon. Yeah. I'll take you. Is that cool? Yeah. All right, boss. Good job. She's out on a run. You try to chase her down on your bike and scare her. <laughs> Kai and I both like to sneak up behind Emily when she's running and scare her. I know it's horrible, but it's funny. Ah! Um, she gets upset, but then laughs about it. And keeps her on her toes. Anyway, the, uh, the can't shouldn't exist until you've tried is just fantastic. We got all these people that say they can't do something. I can't do an Ironman. I can't run a marathon. I can't. Well, have you ever tried? No. Right? That's the next question. Because a lot of times you actually can't do something. You know, if you're uh, not an American citizen, you can't run for president. <laughs> Even if you try, it's still not going to get you anywhere. Um, but if it's something that uh, is technically possible, feasibly possible, then saying you can't is a negative language that really wears on you. And so I don't want to recommend it without telling you where you can go hear more of this. Um, Yokoji Zen. Dharma Talks is the name of the podcast. You know, that reminds me. I don't know if I got internet way out here. 
I'm a little bit too far from the router. Let's see if I can get Instagram because somebody asked me something the other day. Oh, look at that. I can. So somebody asked me what my favorite podcasts were that are about productivity. And so I made my uh, list and I posted it on Twitter. So you can go to Zen Triathlon on Twitter and find the same list. If one of, if my Texas accent doesn't um, help you understand, but uh, beyond the to-do list, Akimbo, A-K-I-M-B-O, distraction, getting things done, habits into health, happier, hurry slowly, optimal living daily, productivity paradox, productivity straight talk, technology for mindfulness, 5 a.m. miracle, I get up at 4.30, the productivity show, and productivityist. <laughs> That's right, productivityist. Um, all one word. Those are some podcasts that you can go check out. All right, so now let's get into some reels in. The uh, thing I had, let me go back to my notes here. All right, you know what? I'll give you some bonus in. You can tell somebody's wise, and Zen is just you know, paying attention so that you can be wise. Um, eventually somebody's wise. If their answer to something is, it depends. (laughs) That's your bonus. Somebody that has an outright answer, unless it's very, very, very specific is, um, not very experienced and you should question whether or not, um, that's the right answer. Like if I said, um, somebody says, well, what, how should I train to, uh, train for a marathon say well it depends right have you run one before (laughs) is the race that you're uh, going to do hot is it cold is it hilly is it flat is it a mix Um, are you overweight are you in shape are you have an eating disorder are you already too busy right and so there's a whole lot of it depends in there so whenever you see somebody answer a question with it depends. Pay attention to that person. That person knows what they're talking about. They may not know everything, but that's a good place to start. Okay. Then there's something in Zen called the gateless gate. It's famous. And it's a little hard to wrap your mind around. So I came up with a way to actually do that a little bit better. The gateless gate, um, well, Zen is full of paradoxes. And it's, they're just supposed to show you that it depends that one answer works until it doesn't. And then the other answer, the opposite works until it doesn't. And then sometimes neither of them work and then sometimes both of them work. And it's supposed to uh, reveal to you that kind of it goes along with the whole depends thing, that there is no one answer. You never have it all figured out. And actually that's okay. So the sooner you can get there, the uh, better off you'll be. And This happens all the time with training. Oh, I figured out just the perfect amount of training or the the amount of intervals, the amount of time of intervals that actually works best. Well, that works until it doesn't. (laughs) So it depends. You have to pay attention to what's going on and then do the right thing according to to what's going on. And that's where uh, Buddhism comes in with... uh, Enlightenment is uh, appropriate response. And that means that your response can vary based on the situation. But the gateless gate 
So, I don't know. Uh, this house has a gate on the uh, side of the, you know, the side of the house with the fence. So that's, let's talk about that gate. Now there's gate, is it, people say, well, that's a gate. Well, is it, how do you make it gateless? How do you arrive at something that isn't there? You know, it's real confusing. It doesn't even make sense a lot of times. And in modern language, it's kind of, um, conf- it's kind of a stumbling block. So I thought of something that was actually better for a lot of us, not for everybody all the time, right? But to a, instead of that, think of attaining non-attainment. And that's the stages you go through where you want something really bad and then you finally get it and then you realize you didn't really want it that much anymore. <laughs> so you want to get to the point of where you don't want. Let's use wanting instead of uh, attainment. But a lot of people want to attain enlightenment, for example. They want enlightenment. Well, enlightenment is not wanting anything anymore. Then you're happy when you don't want anything anymore. So you have to train yourself to not want anything anymore. But the paradox is, is to get to that place, you have to want to be there in the first place. So how do you want to not want anymore? And basically, uh, you train on little things. And you train by paying attention and seeing, oh, you know, I wanted that thing so bad. And now if I pause and wait a little bit, I don't want it anymore. And at first you kind of have to force it on yourself and, and then uh, be a little bit retrospective. You know, a, a really good example is like a fancy new car. Is a new car is, is awesome until the shine wears off and now you got to pay for it for years. <laughs> and you're like, oh, did I really want that that, that much anymore? So... Yeah, that's, that's really what the gateless gate is about. It's about achieving a state of not just happiness, but of it pacifies your inner demons, I guess, a little bit and allows you to enjoy life as it is a little bit more because you're not wanting other stuff than what you have so much because you realize that wanting is a little bit of the uh, a little bit of the misery and suffering that we cause ourselves and so i I like to uh think of it that way where one version of enlightenment is getting to the point where you don't want want to want anymore (laughs) um we see that with people like say they get really good at doing a specific distance of, of, uh, of triathlon, you know, and then they get over it. You know, they finally found who they are and now they don't, they don't feel the need to, um, to do that anymore. Um, you can want to move up in your company a lot until you, um, you push yourself too hard. And then it ends up backfiring on you a little bit. And then you go, you know, things were kind of good where they were. <laughs> or with running is a really good one because it's so easy to get injured running. You can up your running volume. You want to be a hundred mile a week runner. I've done that. And then you end up um, uh, uh, damaging your Achilles tendons, for example. And then and then for a little while you're, you're in regret and like, why did I do that? and uh, suffering with that and then a little while later you're like you know maybe that was a little bit ridiculous and uh, 
I really don't want that anymore. But you kind of have to, the whole point is that it's, you kind of have to go through the wanting first to get to the point of where you don't want anymore. There's Kona, the black lab, drinking out of the pool. That's gross, dude. He loves to swim. He keeps dropping the tennis ball in the pool and then looking at me like, can I go in after it? I'm like, dude, it did not start out in there. You threw it in there. And Emily gets mad when he gets in the pool uh, all the time. It's like for special occasions because labs stay wet for like eight hours. <laughs> and then he wants to go inside and get wet all over the, all over the house. Um, the one dog that does dry off instantly, Zoe over here. You can hear her come by. That was Zoe. That's her collar. Uh, she dries off instantly, but she does not ever want to get in, which is, uh, that's the paradox, right? The one dog, <laughs> the one dog that wants to get in all the time, we don't want him to get in all the time. We do let him because he's a lab, man. It's awesome. He loves it. It's good for him. And then the, the dog that doesn't, that we do want to get in more often and enjoy it will not get in. Uh, which actually, it makes me think about that painting in, the, in Goodfellas. You can Google it, Goodfellas painting, and it's got two dogs on it. It's a really great scene from Goodfellas, and it's very zen. One dog looks left, one dog looks right. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> it's so good. It's such a moment of zen in that movie. It has nothing to do with anything, yet one dog looks east, one dog looks west which is a, a callback to so much Zen stuff. There's so much in Zen about uh, what is the meaning of Buddha or Bo of Bodhidharma coming from the West. That's a huge one in Zen. You ought to Google that one. That's, really, that's a really good one. It's got so much meaning to it. It's got so many answers and non-answers. But anyway, so I'm going on and on here about uh, Zen stuff. You can tell it's a lot of fun to dive into that rabbit hole. But anyway, think about that. Get to the point of where you don't want anymore and uh, you've made some progress just be and just do but first you got to go through the wanting and that's okay just observe and pay attention okay so that's all that let's go ahead and get started with our interview with mr jonathan toker very excited to have him on the show this is going to be a very productive interview for um so many of us out there again pay attention to the uh sodium electrolyte uh, in the mouth absorption that is a problem fixer for a lot of people. And then also the, uh, the water balloon sloshing around in your belly problem and how to take care of that. That is a huge problem fixer for a ton of people. Thank you, Jonathan, for uh, coming on and talking to us about that. Let's go ahead and roll it. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. I was reading your bio and it says you're tech savvy and I thought, okay, if anyone can figure it out, I yeah. better be able to. All right. I am here with Jonathan Toker, the founder of Salt Stick. How's it going? Very well. Thanks for having me on today. But I am so excited to have you on because so many of us have trouble with fueling and hydration and uh, so much of what ties that together is actually your electrolyte balance and making sure you have that in there. And it's almost, uh, it's like a black art of like knowing 
how to how much to take and when and, and how much is the right amount and uh, the more we learn we start finding out it actually varies per person and um, when salt stick reached out to me uh, long ago to work with with uh, Zen and Yard of Triathlon I, I was so excited because I've seen I had seen salt stick around for years and it's on all the pros bikes you can see it because of the uh, salt stick uh, dispenser which um, I don't know if you knew when you were uh, building that thing about that that was your advertising. <laughs> so I didn't. And a quick genesis of the company. Uh, uh -huh. So I've been in business 12 years. Right. And since the beginning, basically in 2006, uh, it started out basically as a product engineering company mm -hmm. that I developed this product for myself, which was ostensibly a way to dispense capsules off right. the bicycle, keep them clean and dry. And I didn't even at that time have an idea that it was going to be a nutrition company. I didn't expect it to be much of anything other than a way that I could facilitate my own use of my my products, basically. Right. And there was enough of a, a draw. Pros were coming to me. I had some samples out at Ironman in 2005, and some of the top pros were using prototypes that I'd made. And the feedback was phenomenally positive, and it just re you know realized at that point that I had not only a product that was viable, but the potential for a company. And I pretty quickly came out with a capsule that embodied the best of the science at the time, mm -hmm. and that's what Salt State Caps is. And while there were other competitors in the marketplace at the time, I looked at the science, I looked at the literature, the peer-reviewed literature, uh, what exercise physiologists had determined, long determined, were was basically the composition of sweat. And I kind of brought it back to a, a base concept, which is you're trying to provide your body with the building blocks to replenish what you're losing in a form that your body can absorb and in some measure, the ratio that you're losing. So the idea is not to over overwhelm your body with too much of any given material because it's just not necessary. Your body will excrete anything excess. And so to be most efficient, and that's what salt stick caps became. Yeah, so you were a pro triathlete, right? And I was. And I a pro runner. Five years. How much, uh, or not how, how do you... Um, as a pro runner, that's a sport that I'm not really that. F I came from a swimming background first, and then got into triathlon. Um, what do you do as a uh, pro runner? So I consider myself to be a elite trail runner. No. And oh, so cool! It's it, yeah, it put me on the road, and I I don't do so well. I I'm, I just <laughs> I love the trails. Something about the scenery. Mm -hmm. I gravitate to the difficulty. Usually, it's hilly. And to me, that's that's the enjoyable part of it. And so I happen to be rather competitive in that that sphere, even at my current age. I'm 43 right now. Uh -huh. uh, the ultra runners tend to be slightly older set. And so mm -hmm. while the half marathon to 30K is my best distance, I've run some pretty successful 50Ks as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I raced triathlon for many years. I started when I was down in San Diego uh, with the Tri Club of San Diego. Right. And started in approximately 98 and by 2000 I was winning age group races wildflower for example mm -hmm. and an opportunity presented itself where basically at the time you could just kind of self-declare yourself to be a pro I, I don't think it's that different today uh, USAT has some further regulations but right. at the time it was just an opportunity it's like when when else am I going to do this and I was good enough to at least be a, a second tier pro mm -hmm. And I never aspired it to be my real profession, but uh -huh. it gave me a, an 
entry into races. It gave me the lifestyle. It gave me a reason to train as much as I did, frankly. Right. And I raced for five years, and then basically I've done some triathlon since then, but I've kind of gravitated more to the trail running. I, I do the exact same thing. We have a fantastic um, trail run uh, here in uh, East Texas in Huntsville. It's the Rocky Raccoon. I've heard of it, yeah. And, um, and because where I live, it's, it's, there's no real mountains or hills or anything like that, nothing substantial. That ends up, even though it's considered kind of flattish for, um, for trail running compared to like Colorado and all that, uh, it ends up being wonderful from being around here. And it's like an hour from where I live. And for years, I haven't done it the past year, but for years I've gone and done the 50 and then the hundred and um, it is trail running is so great. It's, it's such a compliment to, um, triathlon too, because you can do triathlon in the summer and then maybe do some trail running in the winter and break it up a little bit. It really is. It's yeah. great cross training. And I think the key with trail running is it keeps things fresh. Even if you run the same trail, for example, one direction and go the other direction. It's, it's like a new trail. Yeah. Uh, I think people love the speed of the road and there's something about mm -hmm. running on a solid surface. Uh, but I think anyone who has not been in the trail running circuit, it doesn't have to be racing, just go out and oh, train no. on a trail. Yeah. And, and that's, you'll really get a lot of joy out of that. Yeah. Trail running. That, that's what I loved about it was it is so hard <laughs> that just finishing. It's kind of like Iron Man, you know. It's like nobody really asks what your time is. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the few sports where nobody asks what your time was. You just you ran fifty miles, or you ran a hundred, yeah. or you ran fifty uh, k, or whatever it is. People are around here. People say that's like running to Houston. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what I. To be I fair, they still do ask what your time is, but it doesn't mean anything to them either. So yeah, they it, do. Yeah, just being polite. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. They're like, oh yeah. Um, and let's see. I'll also, I've done, I did wildflower in 2007, I think. Oh yeah. And, oh, it was so great. And, um, I'm 44. So you and I are almost the same age. Mm -hmm. And, uh, salt stick was so well established when you brought it onto the market or so well done that I thought it, honestly, uh, Jonathan, I thought it'd been around since the early nineties. It was such a polished product. Thank you. Yeah. And I have to say that it's a result of combination of a lot of factors. Yeah. And I would say luck plays a small part in it. Uh, basically, attention to detail plays a larger part. Mm -hmm. Athletes that are dedicated to the brand, and I thank them for the, for the years of, of telling their friends. Because yeah. I have to say that over the years, our presence, our media presence has been very minimal. I'm, we don't right. take out ads and magazines. We do very little media work. In fact, mm -hmm. we're increasing a little bit, but the, the fact is it's it's really by word of mouth. And right. I think that there's a lot of credibility to that because you have, and, and over the years, many top pros have used the products mm -hmm. and for a couple of reasons. One is they work, and it's not a situation where they're getting free bikes or wetsuits or something mm -hmm. that is lucrative. I mean, mm -hmm. if a product works for a pro at that level, they're going to use it because it works right. and not because they're they're getting any sort of special sponsorship deal. Um, there's that and there's the fact that uh, we're, we pay very close attention to, for example, testing for banned substances and having a clean process and that's another factor that mm -hmm. affects a lot of pros and that they're very aware of that that uh, has happened with salt capsules in, in particular and sports nutrition in general right. as being the, the subject of, of – uh, inadvertent contamination 
and you know I wouldn't say anything about this you know special packaging or anything like that. I mean I came out with the original blue bottle early mm-hmm. the first time, and I hoped that it would be recognizable, and I think it has been. For example, yeah, yeah. The I'm looking at one right now, and I'm gonna get one out of my pantry too here in a second. But the um, the salt stick bottle is definitely very recognizable. That was smart. And for people that don't know what we're talking about, I'll, I'll say it again. It's this black um, dispenser. It looks, I mean, in, in one way, I kind of call it a Pez dispenser, and, you know, and like it's got a red top on it. And when you twist it, um, a capsule will work its way out um, with, I don't know, like two, three twists or something like that. A capsule will work its way out. And it's a way to keep your salt capsule um, free from sweat and water. And, and then when you want one, you can take one is the big thing. And you'll see, if you look closely on, um, on photos and videos of pros and, and uh, elite athletes and just, well, all the way down to, uh, back of the Packers, it, like it's, you'll see these, these things zip tied to people's handlebars, to their top tube, sticking out of their bento box. Um, it's, it's really kind of a universal thing. If you look around and look closely, you'll see it. I'm going to go, I'm going to walk into my pantry and go grab one so I can read the label <laughs> off the back. <laughs> And so the you're exactly right on the dispenser, and yeah. that was the original salt stick. And people ask me, well, why do you call it a salt stick? Well, it's right. it's basically a stick that dispenses salt capsules. And I came up with that name, and it, it sort of stuck in my head. And here we go. It's, it's been a, and then a good, a good oh, name. And then uh, the, the um, and you've 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 added it. We'll, we'll get to that. You've added a lot more stuff since then. But the um, yeah. the uh, it's got a little bracket that comes with it. I'm holding it in my hand that you can um clip it in and out of the uh, of your handlebars really easily. And then, you know, what I've found over the years that I do is I do that, and then also I'll do, um, um, I'll put the capsules in a little Ziploc. Like if I'm trail running and I'm running with a little, like I'll put the capsules, yeah, in a little Ziploc, like in, in either in my pocket or in a, um, in the bento box on my bike. It kind of depends. I don't need to use the stick. And then... Um, the other thing, many, many things I love about salt stick is because it's a capsule and not a hard pill. Um, I tend to open them up when I make my fuel for like a long bike ride, for example, I'll say, well, my fuel bottle, I'm going to need three salt stick capsules and I'll actually open the capsules and then shake them out into the water, into the bottle that I have all my fuel in and that I'll shake up with all the fuel, and that, that way I've added it to the fuel, straight at the source. So you wouldn't be the first to do that. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, there's different ways to consume products, and opening up the capsules is definitely a good way to do to do it. You you do end up tasting a little bit of the salt. That's in that fine. Case. I do that to my and, coffee. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going for a long hot run and I'm having a cup of coffee in the morning, I'll. Uh... I think we might be having some sound issues. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Okay, so the uh, so you mentioned the salt stick itself, which is the dispenser, and then I just wanted to clarify for the listeners: there's a salt stick caps, which is the actual capsule product, and so that's the uh, the capsule that the salt stick dispenser can dispense, or like you said, a Ziploc bag works really well, also. And just to reiterate, the 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 rationale behind the salt stick caps product is that it contains the electrolytes that are lost in sweat, which is primarily sodium and then smaller amounts of potassium, magnesium, and calcium. And 
the ratio of those is present in a similar ratio to what's lost in sweat. And the idea is that you're giving your body the building blocks to replace that. And just to step back for a moment, I think it's worth, uh, your, your listeners are well informed in general, but there could be some that aren't fully aware of the importance of electrolytes in, in sports. Uh, can I just go over that briefly? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, today I was doing a bike ride and um, at right as I was finishing, I started to get a cramp in my right abdomen, like one of my ab muscles. And that was unusual. And also my legs started to cramp up at the very end. And I thought, oh, I was, I was a little low on electrolytes right there. I should have, um, I should have done a little bit more. And I knew that I just didn't think about doing it. And, uh, yeah. Can you talk about how that actually happens and, and what's going on there? Sure. Now, what you just described could be due to electrolyte loss, especially since it's towards the end of your workout. Mm -hmm. And so it's more likely to do with some nutrition imbalance as opposed to at the beginning of a workout where you maybe you stressed a muscle too much or something like that. Right. So it's important to clarify that not all cramps are due to electrolyte loss. Absolutely. But cramps, some cramps are due to electrolyte loss and imbalance. And if, uh, if it is nutritionally based, then a product like Salt Stick or a sports drink uh, that contains electrolytes could be beneficial to help basically augment the amount of electrolytes that are that's circulating in the blood, and that will help alleviate the cramp. In the case of preemptively dealing with that, it's best, obviously, not, not to have a cramp or any nutrition issue in the first place. And so the idea is it's, it's one of these products that when it works properly – you don't know that it's working in a sense until you don't take it and then something like a cramp or you have some <laughs> nutrition issue. And so exactly. it's a little bit difficult. Yeah. So it's a bit difficult for some people to sort of get a sense of that unless, for example, they're habitual crampers. Uh, at a certain point, let's say they do a two-hour bike ride and at the end of that, every time they get a cramp in their you know, quad or something, taking salt stick, for example – would be a great test because that would be a very reliable way to get a sense of that. Or for example, people get night cramps. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe uh, they've done a couple of workouts and then they go to sleep and then in the middle of the night they get a Charlie horse or something. And if they take salt stick and they find that it alleviates that in a predictable way, then they definitely know that it should be working at that point. Right. Yeah. If you're not exercising, you're in the middle of sleep, but you've done a hard day that day. You've done a brick, you know, it's three hours, four hours, just all kinds of working out and you're, you're asleep that night though. And then all of a sudden your leg, your hamstring or your quad just snaps up in pain. <laughs> That's nutrition, right? It's likely to be, yeah. it's, it's impossible for me to say so just, True. you know, yeah. in, in this case, but it's, it's pretty easy to test that also, mm -hmm. because if you are in that situation and you take some electrolytes, in the middle of the night, pop a capsule, for example, like that, uh, it should actually help the situation within 5, 10, 15 minutes. And right. that's a pretty good indication that your your electrolyte levels were off. So just want to step back here and I wanted to go over for your listeners who may not be as aware of the nutritional importance of electrolytes. So we talked about some of the symptoms, but what actually happens? Why do electrolytes get off balance? And it's worth mentioning that in sweat, once again, there's a significant amount of sodium that's lost, which some people would appear, for example, as white stains on dark clothing. Mm -hmm. uh, dogs, for example, like licking legs of people that have a lot of salt in their sweat. Yeah. My dog that does sort of that. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's a natural 
reaction and it's one of the mechanisms that our body actually facilitates the loss of sweat because having a concentration of salt outside actually helps draw water out and that is a cooling effect and oh. so that's actually beneficial. Unfortunately, what happens is if you lose too much salt, then your body basically just doesn't have enough. Mm -hmm. And even if you continue to hydrate, unless you hydrate with enough salt replacement, you're going to be basically diluting the remaining salt that's in your blood and in your body. And that will could lead to a condition called uh, hyponatremia, which is in particular for sodium, but it affects uh, hypo – I mean it, there's a hypo – Kalemia, which is for potassium, mm -hmm. but basically it's low electrolytes. When you have too low electrolyte concentration, in other words, you have too much fluid and too few electrolytes in that fluid. Right. And the solution's pretty easy in general, and it's basically to hydrate properly, and that means not to be overhydrated and not to be under underhydrated, and also to supply the right electrolyte replacement. And that means that something like a sports drink may not be strong enough, may not have enough electrolytes to replace the actual electrolytes that you're losing. Um, the range, as you mentioned early on, is huge. Uh, nutrition is very individualized. And so a lot of the questions we get from athletes and our customers is, you know, how much should I take of salt stick or any other product? And... Frankly, it's difficult to give a boilerplate answer. We generally say that the ideal is to replace between 50 and 80 percent of what you lose. You can get yourself tested. There are testing facilities and ways you can send off uh, samples to find out exactly how much electrolyte material you're, you're losing in sweat. Also, do kind of a rough estimate. You can determine how many, uh, basically, milliliters or grams of, of fluid loss per hour and then you can do an estimate based on the average salt content um, or the best thing is and the simplest frankly is just to continue to consume electrolytes in a quantity that you can monitor and increase and decrease depending on your workout and then just see what works for you to make you feel best. Yeah, I've heard, I forgot it was Lionel Sanders or another um, famous pro, but many will say this, that um, they finally got around to getting themselves tested to see how much electrolytes they lose, and it changed everything. Then all of a sudden they were able to to go without cramping anymore and um, drink the right amount of water. And also another one is to see how much how much water you lose, which is probably a little bit easier, don't you think? You can just weigh yourself. It is, and yeah. I would recommend for your listeners to go online and just do a quick a Google search on fluid loss and find out how much they're losing it's basically you weigh yourself before you do a workout you weigh yourself after there's certain parameters that you have to be careful about in terms of the lack of clothing that you're wearing mm -hmm. uh, accommodating for any uh, urination in the process of exercise and stuff like that but if, if all things being equal the difference in your weight between before and after exercise divided by the amount of time that you're out training is the fluid loss per hour or per minute right and based on that, you can determine some measure of how much you're trying to replace. I, I was, oh, I was shocked. I, I lose when I when I started weighing myself. I lose between two and a half to three liters per hour. Yeah, uh, because it's so hot here. And then, and that's at the high end. But there's lots of us at that high end. There are yeah. there are people underestimate that, and especially when it's when you're either your clothes are already wet and therefore you don't know how much additional fluid you're losing or if it's really dry out, for example, in a desert climate and you're actually, the fluid is evaporating and so you actually, you, 
don't have wet clothes, and it's right. very misleading to know how much fluid you're losing in those instances. So let's say you're let's say you're losing two and a half, three liters per hour of fluid, and you, and let's say you manage to take that back in. So you've got that part covered, but let's say also you're an average, just an average electrolyte loser. Um, taking in that amount of fluid to stay hydrated, uh, are you, I don't know how to phrase it, but are you rinsing out a lot of your electrolytes if you're not basically, taking electrolytes with that water coming in? Yeah, I mean that's basically the process is mm -hmm. if you continue to hydrate, you're going to dilute what you have right. left and right. your body will start accommodating for that dilution and it will start sequestering the water and for example, you'll get kind of a water baby in your stomach because your your body will actually try not to absorb the water so it'll keep it in your stomach rather than absorbing it because every time it absorbs another milliliter of water, it's diluting the existing electrolytes in your bloodstream Wait, with that, is with that, that water. What, is that what, when you're, um, I've had that happen so many times where you've got, yeah, it feels like a water sloshing around in your stomach. That would be due to basically low electrolytes in general, and I'm generalizing here. Yeah, yeah. And so if you were able to consume electrolytes with that fluid, for oh, example, in the form wow. of a capsule or two capsules, it would help absorb the water because your a your body would want to absorb the water because that actually the water contains salts at this point huh. and the based on the homeostasis which is the body's mechanism of keeping things unchanged or yeah. at a normal physiological level you your body's amazing i mean mm -hmm. it's keeping electrolyte balance within normal range is its primary goal in that particular instance, yeah. and it does a great job of it. And for example, if you overhydrate, you'll pee out, dilute, basically dilute pee. Uh -huh. If you have too little fluid, your body will retain the fluid that it has, and and that's one of the reasons you know you're dehydrated. Is you know if you pee out and it's yellow or brown, you know you're very dehydrated because your body has basically concentrated to retain as much water as possible. And at some point, the urine just it it, it gets so concentrated. So um, you had mentioned an example, for example, two to three liters per hour, and then you had mentioned, you know, trying to replace that. And mm -hmm. so I do not recommend in general for athletes to try to replace exactly what they're losing. I think right. that's, that's a losing battle because <laughs> there's really no way physiologically to absorb as much as that. Right. And especially calories, our, our body just can't process the calories and the same thing with electrolytes for that matter. And so that's when I said 50 to 80%, you know, if you're doing a long workout, mm -hmm. you will get dehydrated at, by the end of the workout or the race. Right. And your electrolyte level, chances are it will have gone down and you will be depleted calorically. All of those things are acceptable. The mm -hmm. question is, you know, how much of it can you get away with? And the elite marathoners, for example, doing 205, 210 for a marathon, I mean, they, they, they get to the finish line 3 to 5% dehydrated. And that's okay because yeah. they're at the finish line. Uh, the thing <laughs> is if you're doing an Ironman and you're 3 to 5% halfway through, then you have a problem. Right. And, and in that case, you just need to slow down. And... Well, and rehydrate. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning at this point because we're, we're throwing some of these terms around I'm I'm a strong proponent of separating out hydration, mm -hmm. so fluid, electrolytes, sodium, okay. potassium in particular, and calories in whatever form people argue that there's different better forms and stuff like that. I'm not going to get into that here, but mm -hmm. separating those three things out 
in a sports drink, they're basically usually linked together. So every sip you take of a given sports drink, you're getting calories, you're getting the fluid, and you're getting electrolytes. Right. And for some people, that may work, especially if it's a customized sports drink. But for a lot of people, it doesn't. And so every time you take a sip, you're, you're getting calories when your body's not willing to absorb calories because mm-hmm. you're, you're, the intensity is too high. Or, for example, you're taking too little electrolyte content for as much hydration i mean there's generally it's it's a one size fits all that generally fits nobody right i've had that i've had that happen with a friend where he his his water and fuel was all one he did some sort of version of something like gatorade and we were (laughs) mounting mountain biking in san diego out in the desert and i had my calories and my water separate and he was starting to get sick to his stomach right yeah so then he couldn't he couldn't uh, drink water anymore without wanting to throw up because of the uh, because his water had sugar in it, right? And it was too much. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, that's really really interesting. Um, you are one of many people that I've heard uh, say that, and I've I've been doing the water and fuel definitely separate, hundred percent. And but I haven't been doing so much the electrolytes separate because I hadn't really figured that that out yet but something new that you just mentioned a little while ago that is so i don't think i've ever heard that before about the water the water baby is what you call it yeah is a symptom of your your body is rejecting the water because it doesn't have enough electrolytes in it and it's trying to preserve your electrolyte balance and if it lets that water in it's going to dilute your electrolytes and your body knows that that could lead to hyponatremia or cramping and all kinds of stuff. Basically, I mean that's yeah. a simplified description, and I've given it in that way as well. But mm-hmm. essentially, that's it. And for your body to to prevent the water absorption, it's already obviously deficient in electrolytes. It, it doesn't know what the future holds, so right. it's it's basically a reactionary mechanism. But so, I've, I've had that happen so many times. I've done uh, Ironmans where I get off the bike and start running, and then a little mm-hmm. while later, the sloshy stomach. Yeah, and I've had that too. Frankly, I remember a race at uh, Big Rock Triathlon, uh-huh. Lake Paris, and I got off the bike and it looked like I was pregnant. I mean, yeah. I remember <laughs> after the race, Paula Newby Fraser at that point took me aside and was like, hey, I have a solution for you. Mm-hmm. You need more salt. Yeah. And this was maybe 99 Right. Or something, and I was learning. I was learning. Right. I mean, I I would go out on a bike ride and basically have water and chocolate. That was my hmm. that was my fueling strategy yeah. when I first started. And obviously, it, it, I also my first swim was breaststroke. So mm-hmm. things have come a long way since the, <laughs> those days. Yeah. So let's talk about um, scripts. You got a PhD in organic organic chemistry, and I used to live in San Diego and. Is this the same Scripps Research Institute that looks over the ocean? It's the same but different. So uh-huh. it's another one that looks over the ocean. I think uh-huh. the one you're thinking of probably is the Scripps Oceanography, which is definitely the better known. Of yes, the two. that place is beautiful. It is. It yeah. is. And it's part of UCSD, actually. Uh-huh. So it's world famous. Um, the Scripps that I went to is called fully the Scripps Research Institute, and it's uh-huh. more of a biomedical chemistry research institute. It has. There's no undergrads there. It's just a graduate and postgraduate program mm-hmm. that helped run basically research among it's probably 20 to 30 different uh, PIs, uh, uh, what are they, investigate, principal investigators. Right. And it really spans 
cutting edge research. The facilities are top notch and I liken that experience a bit like to drinking from a fire hose right. at full intensity. It was it was really interesting, but I have to say really my my survival technique for that was to start doing triathlon and I would say that really <laughs> saved me and allowed me to get my PhD because without that that counterpoint to being in the lab mm -hmm. and doing all the research I don't think I would have been able to, to manage that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, my, stress my, relief. Yeah, it really was. One of my favorite stories is one day I went into the lab. So I was primarily benchtop chemist in the lab and all that. I set up a reaction. Then I went swimming at the, the sports place next door. Mm -hmm. And about halfway through my swim, one of my colleagues who knew where I was came and like was waving to me. He's like, Jonathan, your reaction blew up in the fume hood. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it turned out it was my fault. It was just like a venting error. But yeah. it, it just it's funny how triathlon even at that point was kind of getting in the way of, of my actual work. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I remember that, that the other Scripps Institute, so I went to Texas A&M, um, for bachelor's and, and master's. And then my first, uh, my second, uh, job was out in San Diego and driving around and I turned into a surfer, obviously, because that's what a good thing to do out there is. And uh, I was surfing in the morning before work and then mountain biking in the afternoon after work. And uh, it was the life. It was amazing. And But I would see that, that university, that scripts, the oceanography uh, college or university. Is it a college, oceanography college or university? I, I don't know what it's uh, exactly, well, but it's a, it's a division of UCSD. Uh, yeah, well, I, I almost had a minor in oceanography. I was like... Yeah. one hour short of a minor in oceanography. <laughs> I loved it so much. Yeah. And I remember seeing that campus overlooking the ocean and I thought, Oh man, I went to the wrong school. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw all these, like these guys like surfing and I mean the surf zone is right. It's beautiful. And I thought, you know what? If I went to Scripps, I would have failed out. I would have been down at the beach, like surfing all the time. So, but well, at, surfing is definitely a cultural uh, part down there. Yeah. I ended up doing triathlon and because San Diego is San Diego and it, it really still is a Mecca of triathlon. Yeah. I, I was, I grew up really not much of an athlete. I did some canoeing, gymnastics, badminton, like kind of off sports and, and very non-competitive. Right. And it was only when I moved out to San Diego for scripts that I started doing triathlon at, at any sort of level. The fact that I ended up being a pro was completely random. And right. Never, never would have scripted that before. The, um, the other thing I, I was going to mention is, you know, we're talking a lot about history and, and so Scripps, obviously I learned chemistry at Scripps mm -hmm. and I was able to apply those skills to help develop salt stick. Mm -hmm. And part of the other skill set that I think I learned there was being a critical thinker and a problem solver. Right. And so anyone who's interested in grad school or advanced education, it's, it's rarely about the actual information that you learn there. I mean, the information I learned at Scripps was not the scientific information. It was more the process of scientific discovery, the mm -hmm. process of problem solving, right. the process of communicating science and results. And all of those things have been useful mm -hmm. in developing salt stick as a product, which once again, I would never have scripted that either. It just, happened and one thing led to another but i wouldn't have been able to achieve that without the skills that i learned in grad school for example yeah let's let's let me get the uh, salt skip salt stick capsules here i just put, put 
put them down where they go. And um, yeah, while I get them, the, uh, I have a comment on that too. Is that, like in high school, people can have really good grades on it, really based on like what you can memorize and regurgitate on a test. And then when you start getting into college, and especially at advanced degrees, it's not what to think, but it's how to think. Yes, and I agree with you completely. And that's why um, there's there's a resurgence now. I've noticed in people talking about philosophy degrees, or at least philosophy classes, um, because that definitely teaches you how to think. It teaches you how people thought, different patterns and methods of thinking, like worldviews and stuff, um, from from all around the world and throughout history to kind of give you an idea that there's many ways of thinking about something and presenting. And um, you, you can learn many of them, actually, instead of just one. And then you can you, you end up using all of them in life, for sure. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, we've got... Let's read off some of the ingredients because this is fun. People are going to want to know what this is. So the big one... Actually, you said sodium, but... I mean, chloride, it's a little bit more chloride, but that makes up table salt, right? Sodium and chloride. That's correct. Okay, so what is the role of sodium versus chloride? So sodium is a positive electrolyte. Basically, it, um, its presence is primarily outside the cell, that mm-hmm. is, in the bloodstream. Okay. And it, along with potassium, which is a higher concentration inside the cell – there's basically a sodium potassium pump and that basically enables a charge to cre- be created and to be destroyed. So a different a charge, an electrical charge and that charge creation and destruction basically allows muscles to function. So it's um, a give and take in a sense. And yeah. the Chloride is along for the ride in most cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some biological processes that, that involve chloride. So it's Cl minus, so that's um, sodium plus Cl minus, and together they produce a neutral salt. Right. Um, and so salt is the most common, so table salt is the most common electrolyte, and a lot of the products use it, but it's not the only source of sodium. For example, the CAPS Plus, which I developed a couple of years ago, is a high-end version of the CAPS product, and that has caffeine in it. The other difference is that it uses sodium citrate, and that's actually easier on the stomach than sodium chloride. And citrate, as opposed to chloride, is actually involved in the Krebs energy cycle, and so that actually can facilitate the body's energy production if there's a deficiency there. So there's different ways to look at the ingredients and you're, you're right to look at the ingredients on packages. And I Mm. think that's something that a lot of people overlook. Well, it's also got the amounts, right? And then, so you can compare, like we could look at this and see how much sodium is in, in one capsule versus how much sodium is in Gatorade, for example. And, and then, you know, what you're dealing, you know, at least between those two, what you're dealing with. Exactly. And that cross comparison is very important. And, the FDA and the label requirements for supplements has evolved over time, and there's actually a new evolution that's just happening right now with the rules that are going to be rolled out over the next few years in terms of depending on the size of the business. The, the goal is to allow consumers to make educated decisions and informed choices about what products they're going to use, right. and this goes for all food items as well, in fact. And you know what the nutrition facts label looks like. And so for supplements, it's called supplement facts. 
one of the things that I'm very proud of is through Salt Stick is that we're always very transparent about everything that's in our products, mm -hmm. the nutrition, the specs in terms of how much salt is in a given capsule. There's none of this magic secret electrolyte mix where they don't tell you what it is. They just hope you believe it. And so <laughs> I, I like that transparency, and I think that comes from the scientific basis that I came from. Because frankly, if it's if it's not disclosed, then you don't know what it is, and you know it's just a dark black box. And, right. and I don't like that as a scientist. Yeah, a, a full big chunk of your of your label on on the uh, the caps, for example, is the supplement facts and how much is in one capsule, which is you know typically what people would be measuring it out by. So on the okay, so again, sodium and potassium. Sodium's outside the cell. Potassium is inside the cell. Is that what you said? And they Primarily. act as a. There, there's some in both compartments. Right, uh, but they right. act as a pump to to transfer one to the other to get it into yes. the cell. Yes, and to get well, basically, sodium drifts into the cell. Potassium drifts out of the cell, and then huh. the pump is basically to put them back where they belong. And oh, okay. It's, it, I'm simplifying the process. We actually have a blog. If anyone's curious on saltstick.com, there's a, a blog. Then you can read about some more on that. It's, you know, whenever you talk about these kind of biological processes, it's even for me, it's it's kind of a simplification because right. they're so complex. There's so many different aspects that are involved that the the only way that you can sort of make sense of it is to simplify it. Mm -hmm. The problem with simplification is you actually leave out a lot of important details, and right. sometimes it's those important details that are actually the the, the issue, the crux yeah. of it, the issue. And I, I mean, I can't think of an example at this very moment, but for let me actually, I just thought of something. For right. example, the absorption of of calcium is facilitated by vitamin D. Right. And so if you simplify and say, well, the body needs calcium, give it calcium, end of story. That's fine. But if you look at the details. Researchers have found that addition of vitamin D helps with calcium absorption, for example. And if you look at any given calcium supplement, generally they have vitamin D. And so that's one of the reasons why I put vitamin D in the original formulation of salt stick caps. Now, the addition of calcium is actually pretty nominal. It's a very small amount. Mm -hmm. does help with providing calcium and could help with preventing the leaching of calcium from bones, which is – you know, we have a huge amount of calcium in our body bound up in bones. It's calcium carbonate primarily. And one of the issues with endurance athletes and cyclists in particular is sweat loss and the potential for actually developing an osteoporosis type condition. And between the acidity that's generated in, in blood through um, metabolic action and the loss of calcium in sweat and other means – you can actually pull calcium out of the bones, um, and I've had actually friends that have had issues with uh, osteoporosis-type conditions. Uh, so runners are less likely to have that issue yeah. because of the weight-bearing aspect, but cyclists definitely need to be aware of that. Yeah. I, every once in a while, we see somebody that gets a stress fracture, and I wonder if that – or a broken foot or something like that. It seems odd. Like they didn't really do anything major. Yeah, I guess I wonder if they're developing a little bit of – um, weakened bones. It's possible, and yeah. a stress fracture is is called a fracture, but it's it's kind of a different process. But certainly, a broken foot, uh, something like that. If anyone has any concern, they should probably see their physician. Mm -hmm. There's a DEXA scan, which is a very low radiation form of getting your bone density tested, and 
primarily used on women, but if you're a male and you have this potential issue and you tell them you're an endurance cyclist, more than likely you'll be able to get a DEXA scan, for example, as part of a, a routine yeah. checkup. And I'd highly recommend that for anyone who might be uh, considering they might be at risk. Yeah. And on, on the, on the sodium potassium pump thing is that pump, you said it's actually like a contraction. Is that what happens when a muscle contracts? Is that what causes it? It's no, no, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a development of a charge. Okay. That pump basically is the development and the destruction of that charge. And, I mean, in a muscle cell, that charge will cause the muscle to contract, mm-hmm. um, but it's not, as far as I understand, the actual flow of sodium and potassium that causes the muscle to contract. It's the development of that charge, and when you get uh, basically a, an unbalancing of the electrolytes, you can get random charges that basically the muscle will contract uncontrollably. Oh, the other okay. thing that's, that's worth correct. mentioning is the importance of magnesium and calcium in the whole process which are actually have been shown to help allow muscles to relax. And mm-hmm. so there's two aspects. Obviously, there's the contraction and there's the relaxation of a muscle. A muscle that's contracted and cannot relax would be considered to be cramping as well. Right. And so having a significant amount of potassium, uh, sorry, uh, of magnesium and calcium, those are important for the relaxation mm-hmm. of muscles. And a lot of people have found that additional magnesium supplementation has been helpful above and beyond what's in salt stick. And so it's certainly a potential additional supplement for someone to consider if, if they find themselves in that condition. Yeah. You know, um, when I look at the ingredients, you know, it's um, sodium, chloride, potassium, and then, like you said, vitamin D uh, and calcium and magnesium. And so sometimes I'll, many times, I'll just put some, uh, I'll do like a sea salt or Himalayan pink salt or something like that on, on my, in my fuel or on my, in my water or in my, um, I don't know, just on something I'm drinking or eating. And I know that that's the sodium and chloride and maybe it's got a little bit of other stuff in it. But as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm telling myself, you know, Brett, (laughs) the real stuff is, is in your pantry. It's the, the salt stick with the, um, it's actually got the vitamin D3 and calcium and magnesium in it and potassium. That's a good observation. And your body, frankly, doesn't know a given source of sodium. It it doesn't know if it comes from the, the mines of Moria, you know, in the Lord of the Rings, or Mm -hmm. if it's from, you know, the Himalayan pink sea salt or whatever it is. (laughs) Um, Sodium is sodium by and large. The trace elements that you're mentioning, uh, are present in natural sources of sodium, but they're in such small amounts that basically if you have a normal diet, you're going to get enough molybdenum in your diet that adding molybdenum through Himalayan pink sea salt is just not necessary. Right. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not going to be actually physiologically helpful to you. So the important thing, though, is because we're losing mostly sodium and sweat, that's definitely the major player. And so if you're taking, if you're doing something that's uh, perhaps an hour too long, in terms of endurance training or an event, you could probably get away with minimal supplementation, or mm. potentially get away with packets from McDonald's of salt or something right. like that. Mm. The the issue arises when you have longer endurance events and potassium, magnesium, and calcium start coming into play because those are lost at slower rates, but they're 
contribution starts increasing as time goes on. And so once again, you can get away with just sodium supplementation for shorter distance events, but it, it, it's basically lacking in the full spectrum of electrolytes that are needed right. for proper supplementation. So let's talk about the um, the fast chews, which is one of my favorite things because I love the flavor of it. And sometimes I just eat them like candy. <laughs> I don't know if I should. <laughs> you, do. you and me both. <laughs> yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, I realized through customer feedback that the capsules, while they were efficient and they were effective, they also presented a problem, which is that they're somewhat large for people, especially smaller people, women. And they also have a lot of electrolytes in one single capsule. It's 215 milligrams of sodium and then corresponding amounts at lower ratio of, of the potassium, magnesium, calcium, and the vitamin D. And so that's a lot to take in for some people, especially smaller people. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, I started doing research into seeing different uh, formats and different amounts of electrolytes that could be provided and ended up after a lot of R&D with – these fast chews, which are chewable tablets, and so they are flavored. Uh, I have two flavors currently, lemon-lime and orange, and people seem to like them about equally, for that matter. And the idea is that it's the same electrolytes in the capsule, but at a lower dose. So, in fact, you need four, approximately four of the fast chews to equal one capsule. Mm -hmm. But it's a tasty, candy-like material, and... They come, I mean, it's basically the shape and size of a Tums, and so they're easy to consume in multiples, and they're tasty, and it gives you a different sort of palate taste compared with all the gels or other fluids, and it still gives you that solid electrolyte replacement mm -hmm. where you don't necessarily need fluid along with it, and so you can customize what, once again, your nutrition. Yeah, I, I absolutely love them. They, um, the, the flavor is good, the salt. The sodium is not overpowering at all. They're tangy. And then they the greatest thing is they break apart in your mouth really easily and they just – they almost melt. Uh, well, dissolve. they do. And that's yeah. by design because in fact the absorption is actually somewhat faster through the buccal membrane. So that's the – basically the tissue in your mouth. And if you are actually experiencing cramping issues or, or deficient in electrolytes at any given time, if you take a fast chews, for example, and put it under your tongue and just – suck on it and don't actually chew it and eat it, uh, you're actually going to get uh, electrolytes in your system a bit faster than if you take a capsule, for example, which takes a couple of minutes to open up in the stomach and then to be absorbed through the, the stomach and the, eventually the intestines. It's, it's faster. And so there's a format question, but there's also a, a rate question, which is faster for the fast juice. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, so I, uh, developing the product, it came out with uh, a little saying, which some of your listeners may recognize, is, is based on a Dr. Zeus, which uh, riddle in a sense, or, or saying, which is, how many fast juice could a fast chew chew if a fast chew could chew fast juice? <laughs> And the idea of like a chew being a train. Mm -hmm. And so I came up with this logo of a train. So how many fast chews could a fast chew chew if a fast chew could chew fast chews? And I had people in Kona a few years ago and I came up with the product say that as fast as they could. And it was kind of a fun little contest. So um, I might uh, might have to do some more with that since yeah. then I haven't. The one I learned was um, as a kid was how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood. Right, right. Yeah. And so I, I said Dr. Zeus because I think I was inspired by the – 
Zeusian sort of yeah. terminology. But yes, that it, that's it is based on the woodchuck thing. Um, hey, I just want I wanted to mention that one of the reasons that triathletes gravitate to salt stick, frankly, is because it works. And how do we know that it works? Is because there's actually been a double blind placebo controlled study that was done in Spain a few mm. years ago. And this is in a blog entry on our website, and I'd just be remiss not to mention it because it's people talk a lot about anecdotal evidence, and anecdotal evidence is very is weighted very poorly in science. Basically, right. it's someone said they think something happened, and therefore it may have happened. That sort of thing. It's people telling other people, "Hey, this is my story." And when you have that. It's not to say that there's no credibility there. It's just that the number of people that that is involved is one. So it's an N of one. Mm -hmm. And it's also the control is really important in science where you basically – there's a lot of variables. You know, the temperature outside, how long you're going, are you in a good mood, a bad mood, that sort of – I mean phase of the moon, everything. Those are all variables. Some of them are more significant than others. And – the thing about science is to try to control as many variables as possible and then to, to con control the variables that you can control and then change the variables that you want to change. For example, a dose, how frequently or how much you're giving a patient or an athlete and then see what the results are. And then the ideal scientific study – and a lot of people throw these terms around without necessarily knowing their full meaning but a placebo-controlled meaning that you have – basically a, a, a sugar pill or a dummy pill that looks like the actual active ingredient but is not and that helps control against the placebo effect which is a real effect where people will benefit some, by something just because they think it will benefit them. Right. And then uh, double blind basically means the people that are administering the products actually don't know which – the patient is getting whether it's a placebo or the active oh that's perfect it, because they can actually signal without knowing it which one exactly. they're giving yeah it, it's all coded and so people that are administering the study don't know anything until the study is unblinded which happens only after everything is all the results are in and then basically they said oh patient number one had this result and patient number one was a placebo uh person and then patient two anyways the, the point is that there's certain rigor associated with better clinical studies and 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 it exceeds by all stretch of imagination anything to do with anecdotal evidence of like hey joe took this product and it worked for him once again that's helpful to know and that could be the basis for scientific studies but the gold standard is a double-blind placebo-controlled study. And so we were fortunate, actually, and oddly enough, I only found out about this after it was published. Uh, I never was involved with the actual supplying the product or anything. It actually happened through our Spanish distributor, which was once again, I never heard about it until it was published. <laughs> but the, uh, the good thing was that the results showed, and this was a small study, there were only 26 athletes involved. Half of them were in the placebo group, half of them were in the salt stick group. And the only difference between the two groups that they were able to make a change, so a variable that they deliberately changed, was basically whether they had salt stick or not. Um, all other issues were kind of um, in terms of their fluid intake and all the other parameters were normalized between the two groups as best as they could. And the larger the population, if they had 100 people instead of 13 people in each group, that would be 
better, statistically better. But nevertheless, even with a small group, and it was once again placebo-controlled blind study, they found that uh, athletes. This is a half Ironman, uh, so you know, typical um, four to five-hour race for the top people. In this case, their average was about five hours and ten minutes, I think. The people using salt stick, the athletes using salt stick, were about eight percent faster in their overall time than those who were not using salt stick. And that was a statistically significant difference based on the actual an analysis that was done. The other thing is they maintained their weight. They didn't lose as much fluid as the people that were not taking salt stick. So they were actually less dehydrated and also not surprisingly, their electrolyte level and their plasma and their blood was maintained in a more normal way than those who were not taking salt. So basically all very positive uh, results. And once again, there's all sorts of caveats around studies like this. It was small, you know, it was done with a specific population of men, not women, the, all that sort of thing. But basically you have to take also the, the benefits of a study like this and say, hey, this is something that's statistically significant and mm -hmm. maybe it can help other athletes. Yeah, and also I didn't know about the, uh, the keeping the water uh, weight on, which is really important for recovery because so few of our exercise induced, uh, days are, um, actually races. And, you know, we, especially as triathletes, uh, triathletes train back to back. Like I, I did three hours today and I'm going to do three hours again tomorrow, hopefully. And you know what makes three hours on day two really painful is <laughs> being dehydrated from the yes. day before. Yes. Yeah. And yep. it's so having the right amount of electrolytes in your day-to-day -day training yes. is huge because it's yes. no, you know, you don't go into a race expecting that you shouldn't, some people do, but you shouldn't expecting a miracle. It's what you're doing in training that you can tell what's going on. And that's, that's where all the work is done. And if yep. you're uh, well-fueled and well-hydrated, that could be the, that could, people that want to break through to the next level. Let's say that somebody's you know right at the midline. They're they're at the fifty percent of iron. You know when they do half Ironmans or Ironmans, and they want or a marathon, and they want to move up. You know to the top twenty five percent. Then this is uh, looking at their electrolytes and their their water weight that they're losing is um, could be a huge boost to them. That might be the missing link for that one part. It really could be, and I think the the whole role here of of nutrition and hydration is to allow yourself to perform at the best that you're able to based on your training. Right. And so the idea is not to get into an event and say, man, that was so tough. I was dying because mm. I was hungry or I was out of fluid or whatever it was. It, it shouldn't be a mechanical on your bike. You need to take care of your bicycle. It shouldn't be that your shoes were missing laces because <laughs> whatever your dog ate them. It, it needs to be a nutrition is something that can be controlled and there is a huge variance between even the same person over different days. And that's where your training comes in and when you're actually racing, knowing how your body's feeling and whether, what you need on any given day. Uh, there's stories about some of the top pros back in the day, I don't know, the 80s or 90s. They'd win an Ironman and they'd go down, they'd write down everything they had during the race thinking that that was – that was it. That's all they had to do is repeat that mm. the next time they'd win again. Right. It's not that simple. No. Now, that's a good basis. Not. And 
as a good scientist would say, that's a good way to determine the future in a sense. But it's also it's one day is never the same as the previous day. Um, and your point about being well hydrated for the next training day is absolutely vital. And especially if you have some alcohol, if you you know eat a lot, stuff like that, you definitely want to rehydrate properly, and that would involve appropriate amounts of electrolytes, whether it's salt stick or some other product that will give right. you back, you know, some measure of what you're losing. Let's let's talk about um, the other salt stick uh, products. You have the uh, Caps Plus, and that has, like you said, a little bit of caffeine and sodium citrate in it. It does. Uh-huh. It does. So I came up with that product in 2011 mm-hmm. as a result of customer feedback and further research that I did. Caffeine is a legal ergogenic aid, and that basically means that it is a permitted substance that has performance enhancing. And the reason that WADA and IOC cannot, or have chosen rather, not to ban it is because it's so prevalent. Coffee, tea, soft Mm -hmm. drinks, a lot of the food, chocolate that we eat has caffeine in it, and therefore it's just impossible to to kind of get a, a hold a handle on how much we're, we're consuming so it's allowed and studies have shown that it actually perform, provides a performance enhancement certain people are concerned about for example its uh, propensity for causing dehydration yeah and that is actually shown not to be the case for athletes doing endurance events as long as you're you're actually consuming water it doesn't it doesn't act as a diuretic okay it, it is ergogenic and therefore mm-hmm. Salt Caps Plus is kind of the high-end race performance version that I came out with. It's only 30 milligrams of caffeine per capsule, so that's mm-hmm. about equivalent of a third of a cup of coffee. Right. But over time, if you consume two to three capsules per hour, for example, that's like drinking a cup of coffee per hour. And if you're doing, say, a nine-hour Ironman, okay, 10-hour Ironman, <laughs> you're going to be doing, you know, um, it's like drinking 10 cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. Well. That's fine over the course of 10 hours, and it actually is a, is a great benefit. The other use of it is for endurance athletes doing overnight events, for example, which obviously now I'm speaking Trail to running. a smaller yeah. portion of your audience. But if you're doing an adventure race or an mm-hmm. ultra run, like 100 miles, running overnight, having that extra caffeine can make a big difference to staying awake. Yeah. I, I notice it when I have a, when I have fuel with caffeine in it. Like say I'm mid ride and I and I start drinking something with caffeine in it, I can tell immediately. My body reacts very well to caffeine, and I have to be. I actually have to be a little bit careful with it because because um, my body feels like it's borrowing energy against time. <laughs> and and it really to works. Be said for that, yeah. yeah. I mean, you you know your body best, and if if you have that effect or if that has that caffeine has that effect on you then yeah. it's good that you're aware of that and then you can yeah i can answers. use it and then i and i pay attention i pay really close attention to it but you know in trail running right you come up to the table that has all your your food and everything and they got gels laid out almost all of them have caffeine in it and i have to say i have to start asking do you have any without caffeine and they what drives me crazy is they go i don't know yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, well, you need to know because what if somebody has a problem with caffeine or they're they're acting over caffeinated? I've yeah. almost passed out one time from having too much caffeine uh, wow. at a race. Um, well, my suggestion for you in that case and for any of your listeners would be, frankly, just carry all your own fuel with you. Uh-huh. And aid stations, even at ultra races, 
are, are there f- to assist you, mm-hmm. but to rely on their food choices. Oh yeah, is, that's it, Russian it, roulette it, right there. It it really is, yeah. especially if you have certain dietary needs. Yep. I, I mean, you know, having a a belt that carries enough. Uh, fluid, not fluid. Um, Gels. The appropriate pills yeah. and hy- and nutrition for you. I mean, I recommend trying to just rely on getting water at the aid stations. And yeah. beyond that, I mean, that that's to me, that's the way to to resolve that. Oh, one time I was it was towards the end of a fifty miler, and I was doing pretty good. And then I started getting low, and I ate some Oreos that they had at a station. And those are those things are terrible for you, but man, my body used that. Like it loved it. It was the best yeah. thing. Yeah, I, that was a surprise too. I said, "Well, I'll try anything right now." And I tried one of those, and that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, the best pizza I've ever eaten has been in the medical tent after <laughs> Ironman Hawaii. They should make a brand <laughs> medical tent pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's by far the best ever pizza, and I'm sure it was terrible pizza, but it tasted so good. We have a new pizza place here in College Station, Texas. Um, it's a it's a converted. It's a. It was the old pharmacy in the middle of old downtown Bryan, which is our sister city, and um, it got sold and then turned into a pizza place. And it's called Prescription Pizza, and it's got an RX on it. It's pretty funny, and it's really yes. good. People really love it. Okay, so we yes. have uh, Salt Stick Caps Plus. Let me see. I don't want to make sure. I want to make sure I'm missing anything because you got a so bunch of stuff. The, vit- the, what's item the vitassium that you're missing is vitassium. Yeah. So Salt Stick Vitassium. I developed approximately two years ago, Okay, and it was in response to ongoing consumer demand for salt stick products for medical conditions that include POTS, P-O-T-S, mm-hmm. which is a postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, oh, yeah, and, and a couple other conditions, EDS and mm-hmm. cystic fibrosis as well. And what those are, basically, they're autonomic conditions where your body for various reasons and they're they're not diseases per se they're 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 symptoms right and they basically for various reasons your body cannot keep the blood pressure normalized when you change your position uh-huh. and so it's postural and that means basically if you're lying down if you get up quickly many of us myself included you may get a little bit of a narrowing of your vision. You may get, you know, you may feel in your ears, but you're, very quickly your body's able to compensate for mm-hmm. that change in position, and your heart rate goes up, and your blood pressure is maintained, and everything's fine. In these people, basically, there's a problem, and they end up fainting, uh, and mm-hmm. this is very common. And they, the physicians, and these patients themselves have found, and it's been documented in literature research as well, that the addition of salt is a pretty easy way to deal with this for a lot of patients. Now, it doesn't once again address the underlying condition for whatever reason that they have this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for everyone, but under physician guidance, it seems to work really well for certain people. Right. And so they were starting to use salt stick caps and. Based on consumer feedback, I was able to develop salt stick vitassium, which basically is a smaller capsule, does not contain any magnesium or calcium because that is not relevant to that population. Right. It's actually a medical food, which is basically available by prescription, and it's to be used under the guidance of a physician. Mm-hmm. And the capsules are a bit smaller, and that's it. And Oh, and they're more concentrated, so it's 250 milligrams of sodium. So for anyone of your listeners who could be either 
has POTS or could have a friend or someone who has any sort of issues with fainting uh, that could be due to uh, inability of the body to maintain blood pressure, um, it could be something that could be relevant to them. Yeah. Uh, it's not, not designed for athletes. And once again, it's, it's salt stick caps and the original products are 100% better for athletes in the context of, of doing endurance sports. But for medical patients, uh, Vitassium is definitely the way to go. And yeah. that's so Very they cool. can get more information on Vitassium.com as well. If they're yeah, my, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll see if my wife knows about this because she's a nurse and um, she's, she was a hospice nurse. That's kind of, people don't know, that's kind of like end of life nursing. And then for eight to 10 years and now she's a chemotherapy clinic nurse and so they've got people that are very weakened from having to take chemo and all kinds of different things and they have this a lot where people stand up and then pass out yeah so but people at triathletes know this when you swim and you're laying prone for a long time and then you stand up and try to run to the transition area <laughs> yes and well, that's... uh you get all related. dizzy. Yeah. yeah, it's not easy. And that's related in the sense yeah. it's your body's ability or inability to compensate for changes in position. Mm -hmm. Once again, for most healthy people, mm -hmm. it's a temporary thing where – and it, like I said, yeah. it happens to me. Where yeah, again, but it needs to be temporary in us. Exactly. Yeah, and these are people that have to deal with it because of some other issue. It's, it's right. showing up as a symptom. Exactly. Very cool. That's great that you've, you've made that. Yeah, it's helped. The feedback we've received has been overwhelmingly positive, and we get a lot of complimentary emails and, and feedback through our website. And, mm -hmm. you know, any of your listeners who love to share their feedback, uh, we'd love to hear it as well. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, direct them to the saltstick.com website. And I'd also be remiss not to mention that there's a Zentri discount That's right. our website as well. And um, I don't know how you communicate that to your listeners. Is, do we just say the discount code over the air or do you have Yeah, a... yeah, I say it every episode. I say okay. uh, they go to they go to saltstick.com slash zentry and then there's a password. But we're so cool that our, our name is our own password. <laughs> <laughs> and I whisper it it's Zentry. Uh, that's how it works. It's yeah, super well, easy. Yeah. We appreciate your support and you know telling all your listeners about the brand and once again we've gotten really positive feedback and it, it feels feels good to be a part of that because once again I didn't come into this expecting to develop it into a business I didn't come mm -hmm. into this for any other reason other than initially to develop a product for myself that worked mm -hmm. and knowing after one of my first early half marathons that if my shoe had gotten untied I would never been able to tie it again because leaning over I would have cramped up too right. badly and, and all that through my background and my experience and then looking at the chemistry and stuff, developing the products and then to come kind of full circle. And here it is, have products out there for people to use and, and getting positive feedback has been really gratifying. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm in this for the exact same reason. I started doing triathlon, uh, for myself. And then when I uh, started to realize how what an amazing sport it is, and I wanted to start sharing it with everybody to let them know, you know, so I started doing the podcast to uh, just communicate with people. Like when you're out, what I found the most amazing thing is the early morning workouts, what you see in the world, and then also on long bike rides, the amazing world. That, and, oh, and then trail running, right? And the uh, 
it's such a, a more amazing life and world out there. So many things that you see and the people involved are fantastic. And you don't have to just turn into an adult and then go to work and then go home and watch TV and go to bed and then feel like crap. <laughs> well, you can. You can. But, but there's a whole other world out there that's amazing. And like I would get to work and people would say, gosh, it sure is. Um, did you... Uh, do you think it's going to rain today? And I, and I would say, is it? It already did. There was a lightning storm at 5.30 a.m. and I was in it, you know? And they were like, really? And, and I said, yes, it was lightning all over the place. And, and uh, so like your life becomes so much more vivid and alive whenever you do this. And so, yeah, like uh, helping people do triathlon, you're doing the same thing with um, helping people do triathlon with, and do it, you know, with more ease and, and without all the frustration because it can be really frustrating when you're cramping or you're dehydrated uh you've done too much or not enough or, you know you don't know what's going on so to have this out there is really great i really appreciate it yeah well thank you uh-huh. i couldn't agree with you more about your commentary on, on getting out and experiencing life through triathlon or through trail running or through training and wildlife I've seen out on the trails and the stories and the people I've met too through the sport has been incredible uh-huh. have generated really a worldwide group of friends that uh, you know interact with at different levels it's, it's been really awesome as a, as a lifestyle as well so yeah. when they talk about triathlon being a lifestyle it, it truly is if you let it be right yeah my last um, my last trail run I did I came across a giant rattlesnake and I had my phone on me so I took a video of it and posted it to Instagram I never would have seen it if I hadn't gone trail running. Yeah. So try to avoid those ones. Yeah. It was uh, it was pretty intense. It was big. It took up the whole trail. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much. Hey, it's been a pleasure chatting, and thank you very much for your time and for going up your way to to reach out to me. All right. All right, thank you, Mr. Toker, for coming on the show. If you want to know the real details on hydration and electrolytes, pretty much can't beat having the owner of an electrolyte company and a professional, a former professional triathlete come on the show and talk about it. Again, I really learned something about that sloshing around in the stomach and then also let's take electrolytes, more electrolytes, and uh, that should help absorb it. And then also the, um, the fact that you can do electrolytes through your mouth first. I got on my bike the other day and was uh, needing a little bit more salt, sodium, electrolytes than I've been getting. And I tried the chewable thing. And yeah, you just chew them up and then hold it in your mouth. And after a while, it just kind of dissolves. It's really cool. And all those things taste great. Um, yeah, so let's see. We need to wrap up the show got a couple things for you one is i uh, remember earlier i talked about that kai and and, uh, and i like to jump out and uh, scare emily and here is a little bit of audio that i happened to catch it the other day she was coming in from the driveway and i hid behind the front door so that when she opened it i'm behind it um and then kai was in the pantry so when i scared her she 
kind of jogged and ran away towards the kitchen and then he jumped out of the pantry and scared her again. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> All right, so that's a lot of fun for us, not for her. But uh, Emily says that sometimes when she runs, she's looking over her shoulder to make sure I'm not jumping up from behind her. And that's, you know, funny way. That's kind of what I want. I want her to be safe and be looking over her shoulder. Oh, and such a, such a terrible way of implementing that uh, behavior. Okay, then also... I have a Nordic track from the 1980s. It's in mint condition. I'm trying to uh, get rid of it. Uh, I'm trying to sell it. My parents want me to sell it. I would just give it away, but my parents want money for it. My dad doesn't use it anymore. Um, he didn't use it much even when he had it. It's it's worth 200 bucks, and it's one of the 1980s, and they sell still to this day for like $400. It's a cross-country skier with the wooden planks that you stand on and uh, move back and forth and then pull this rope in front of you back and forth to simulate um, pulling. And uh, I could convert it into some kind of swimming device, but that would tear it up. And the, uh, hey man, the biggest, the biggest reason that so, such uh, awesome athletes do so well uh, year round is they don't do it year round. They take a break in the winter and they do something like cross country skiing instead. And that's what a Nordic track does. And it's no impact. So you get to recover from all your impact stuff. And, uh, but you're still working on aerobic, which is very much like uh, running, which is cross country skiing. All right, let's see what else do we have. We have sponsors and then show donors. If you want to help support the show, you can do that by going to zentrapon.com. That's where we post all the episodes. And on the left-hand side is PayPal donation links. You can do a one-time or a um, recurring donation, which is really cool. And that's all set up for you. It's super easy to do. And then on the right side is Hornet Juice and then links to some sponsors. Let's see. I guess we'll go ahead and talk about um, Salt Stick themselves. You know, they don't they don't pay me to be on the show or anything. <laughs> just give me they just give me salt, <laughs> which I could go get anywhere. I actually love it though because it's their specific blend that again is uh, formulated to be like what you sweat out, and I'm a big fan of that. And actually, this it's it's like super simple and inexpensive and all that. I just uh, like making shows to help other people get out there uh, and have fun and not have cramps and throw up and all kinds of stuff. So you can get salt stick by going to saltstick.com slash zentry and then you get a discount. It'll ask you for what's the top secret password. The password is zentry. Again, it's just zentry. Isn't that cool? We're, we are our own password. And let me see if I have how much the discount is. It's pretty good. And uh, let's see, while I'm looking that up, oh wait, I have it right here in front of me. Uh, salt stick, let's see. 25% off, holy cow. That's pretty good. And um, that's inside the United States. Outside the United States, it may not work, but there is a store locator where you can find salt stick. And that is at shopsaltstick.com. It'll tell you where to go get some salt stick around you. And let's see, we have Amrita bars. Amrita bars, 
I had one uh, yesterday and one this morning. They're date-based bars. So you know like Lara bars, but these are seed-based and they also have, so you, if you have a nut allergy, they're great for you. They're a little bit uh, more palatable and softer on your stomach. So they're really good for long base miles. They're invented by a cyclist. He's actually uh, uh, been on the show and um, he's a big fan of Zentri and uh, they're, you know, they're all vegan and all this other good stuff, gluten-free and all that. They taste great. And they're super easy to eat on the bike and make you feel good. You get up in the morning and have an Amrita bar for breakfast. Uh, and then, you know, half an hour to an hour later, um, hit the hit the road and start running. And your stomach will be fine. There's no problem whatsoever. There's a lady right here uh, walking her dogs. It's pretty cute. Uh, squirrel moment. Okay, and then let's see. We have, we're going to talk about horn juice in a second, I think. And so Amrita bars, salt stick, got a discount code for you can, if you want to get you can, you can get that, uh, 15% off with discount code Zentry. That's a very, very slow carb. If you want to do slow carb instead of low carb. And then, yeah, let's talk about Hornet juice. Hornet juice is an amino acid, uh, protein, same thing that you can add to your fuel and it turns on your fat burning. It's a special mix of uh, amino acids that is based on the same amino acids that the Japanese killer hornet uses <laughs> to metabolize fat to go uh, the longest distances for uh, ratio per body weight of any animal in the world, I believe. And um, scientists looked at it. How, how does it do it? What chemicals, what proteins does it use to metabolize that fat? And then they synthesize it in a lab and uh, turns out it's a lot of aminos that you already eat, but it's in the right ratios. And it really works. It makes you feel like you're running on, on diesel, like a train. It's unbelievable. No high, no buzz or anything like that. But it's just uh, really, really cool. And it is available on the right side of the webpage. You scroll down. Now we're having um, a little bit of a problem where Hornet Juice is saying temporarily they can't ship outside the United States. And also the, um, the largest order you can get is a 10-pack. I think they're moving warehouses. They're growing or something, and they're they're moving things around. And there's a limited uh, there's a limited amount right now. I think they have a shortage because so many people are buying it. So go to zentrathon.com, click on the Hornet Juice link, get your 10 pack. If you're outside of the United States, you can order it, but I'm gonna have to refund your money, which su which sucks. And uh, I just found this out the other day. I owe people. Um, a bunch of refunds. <laughs> I got to go in there and click refund, 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 because people order from me, uh, Germany, South Africa, France, um, Japan, Australia. Australians are kinky with their endurance, uh, endurance weirdness. And let's see, there's that. And I think that might be it. Is that all the uh, sponsors that we, we got to mention? I kind of like this idea of putting the sponsors at the very end. Sponsors may not like that, but God, you know, the commercials at the end and then I make them fun and then you uh you pick them up if you want them so then we have uh donations if you want to help support the show like I mentioned earlier you can go to that PayPal link and our latest donations are let me put my list John Mulan Katie Joe Favia Madsen Hans Hinrich Peter Salzen Tanya Roy I keep wanting to say Tanya uh Matt Heinz he messaged me the other day what was it about about running in the heat. <laughs> yes, dude, it sucked. It was so hot. Oh my gosh. Uh, Sean 
She ran uh, Pasternak. I don't know how to say that. that. Sounds cool, though. Allison Frutos, Tyler Moyer, Joseph Deber, Dwayne Morin, and Houston Marsh. All right. All right. As I was wrapping up the show, I forgot to mention something. I got the Garmin Phoenix 5, which is basically it's the Garmin 935. XT, or do they call it the Forerunner now? But anyway, it's the super duper triathlon watch, but it's got a beefier case on it. So it's got the silver crown and all the guts of the 935, but it's more professional and office y looking. And I found myself in this um, gray area, this tough middle spot where I wanted all the features of my 920 which is a uh, really good trap on watch it measures your swim strokes. Like, I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's such a great watch. Uh, but mine's getting old. Mine's probably like five, six years old and the battery life is starting to go. And there's more features now on the, see, I had the 920 and on the uh, 935, but at the same time, I've been wanting to get a watch that's more like the Suntos where there's a Sunto, several Sunto models that have a steel crown and they just look just look nice. They look uh, for a guy that works in the office with meetings and goes out to dinner with uh, family and, and friends. It just looks really professional and nice when the um, 935 still looks like you're wearing an athletic uh, running watch when you're out doing fancier stuff. And the thing is, I like both. I want both in one. <laughs> and like my favorite watch of all time is the Rolex Submariner, and the one that James Bond wore. And it's just a uh, really classic, good-looking, simple watch. And just Casio makes a knockoff that's beautiful and it's really cheap and well-built, fantastic. And so I would wear that sometimes, but then I would miss the um, I would miss the features. Of Garmin, and, and I hate switching back and forth, and then you find yourself ready to, you're someplace ready to start a workout, and then you left your workout watch somewhere else because you wanted to dress watch. And I know that I was sponsored by Sunto for a long time. I love Sunto stuff, um, and I've been trying to find a replacement for my 920 that is as much like the Sunto Ambit, the silver crown, black uh, body uh, Sunto Ambit. Three, I think, is a model as possible. And I've been looking around and finally found, discovered, it's been there, the uh, Garmin Phoenix 5. And Phoenix is spelled wrong, it, you know, just to be different. F E N I X. So I got one uh, as a joint uh, Father's Day slash birthday present. Long story short, Got, I've got one. I've started working out with it. Next few episodes, we'll be talking about it, all the features and stuff. And what's really cool is you don't really need the Phoenix 5. It's the exact same watch as the Garmin 935, which is the triathlon watch that a lot of people, most people tend to use for triathlon. And it's got, I'm discovering all these cool features and, and things that it does. And I'm really excited about it. So on the next show... I will uh, talk about that. Next shows, I'll be reviewing it. Oh, gosh, I'll be, for months, years, I'll probably be talking about it. This watch should last a long time. 
And then also, I wanted to mention that uh, we are sponsored by Martin. That was a, a sponsor I forgot to forgot to name drop earlier. And it's a fuel that has an agent in it that turns it into gel when it hits the stomach acid in your stomach and allows you to get in more fuel or the same amount of fuel but without getting sick because you um, you digest it more easily better. And, oh my God how bad the heat is, I can give you a specific example. If you want to know your sweat rate or if you're getting dehydrated, uh, you weigh yourself before and after. Just keep on top of your weight uh, before and after a workout. Um, just keep on top of your weight and, and see what's going on. In three days here in the heat of Texas, never doing a workout more than uh, two hours, it was when I started doing a three-hour workout that I got in trouble. Um, I lost 10 pounds in three days in water weight. And we're going on and on about this uh, electrolyte balance and all that stuff. And let me tell you what. This, uh, so if you get a cramp in a specific muscle, like your quad while you're cycling, that is due to, a lot of that's due to overuse. You know, you're getting tired. You've been biking too hard for too long. Okay, but I've noticed that when I'm starting to get dehydrated, that uh, I start getting electrical shock kind of sounding, um, sounding feeling uh, pulses, like uh, just like electrical discharges, just chunk, 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 like that, like something shorting out, like power lines shorting out um, in random spots on my body. And that is just in general, your electrolyte balance is low and things are starting to short out or maybe your electrolytes are too high and you don't have enough water. I don't, I'm not specific on what that is, but basically you're dehydrated big time. And that's when I cut a workout short. I was going to go for a one hour run and then a two hour bike. And I got towards the end of the bike and I saw about 10 minutes left and I go, this is nuts. I got to get off the bike and go weigh myself and see what's going on. And that's where I realized I was 10 pounds underweight from what I usually am. Now, what they say is when you're 5% dehydrated, that's when you're going to start having uh, major performance issues. And that's exactly it. I weigh around 190 and I lost uh, around 10 pounds. And that you're starting to get into, um, you know, 5% would be uh, of 100, you know, 5 pounds, double it because I'm 200 pounds. You're starting to get into 10 pounds. When you start losing 10 pounds of water weight, um, and since I'm 190, it's more like eight pounds, nine pounds, then, uh, you are going to feel it. And that's exactly what happened. So one salt stick two, and drink more water and weigh yourself, but two, a uh, big thumbs up to Martin because it was so hot and I was able to keep working out <laughs> and nearly kill myself. Uh, because of the Martin fuel, I had plenty of energy the entire time, but it just shows you how well that stuff works. So go check them out. M-A-U-R-T-E-N. I owe them big time for sending me a lot of the Martin stuff to test out, and it continues to work. And this is the, uh, the, the most severe environment that you could possibly run into is here in, um, in Texas in the summer because it's high heat and high humidity. It's really bad. And, um, yeah, to be, able, to be able to lose that much water, even though I was drinking tons, like I was not, 
uh, purposefully like trying not to drink. I thought I was drinking plenty and still uh, we were having that problem. But um, yeah, check out the Martin. It is really, really cool stuff. It allows you to fuel and keep being energized even when your water situation is getting weird. Okay, that's it for this episode. Everybody stay tuned out there and stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. And drink out. Thank you, Mr. Toker, for the interview. That was really cool. Before I keep talking on here, we are at the swimming pool. It's an indoor pool. Kai's about to jump in. We're going to go ahead and get him started, and then we'll, we'll uh, keep yakking about stuff. So go ahead, Kai. What, what are you going to do? I told you what you're going to do. No, you're not going to just huck it. 300 yards, easy freestyle. Yeah, 200 IM. You can either do... Two 100s I am, or two, uh, or a 200 where it's 50 of each. How do you... What? Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. All right. Oh.